Hello, this is Pastor Marty Macedo from Fellhopper's Ministries, bringing you another podcast from the Pastor's Study. Today, we're going to continue the study of life's most important question. This is part three of three. As we saw in our last two podcasts, it is found in Acts chapter 16, verse 30. The Philippian jailer asked this question, quote, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The answer to this question on earth now will determine where we spend eternity after you leave this earth later. You cannot get any more important than that, can you? However, today we'll answer a second important question, and that is, can you know you have eternal life and are you ready for heaven? This question will be answered from 1 John chapter 5, verses 10-13. through 13. Let me read, let's have a word of prayer, and begin our study. 1 John chapter 5, verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Father in heaven, as we look at these verses today, we pray you'll help us answer this very important question. And in answering the question, Father, you'll help us to examine our own hearts and see if we have truly believed and are found in the faith and headed for heaven, or whether we need to make that decision today. So Lord, minister to us the way that pleaseth thee, and we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. If you listened to the first couple of podcasts, you'll remember, as I do a little bit of review today, what's leading us to 1 John chapter 5. We started out by asking that question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And we went to John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, we saw two or three things, and we'll just summarize them rather quickly. The first thing we saw was the way to be saved. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It's receiving him and believing on his name that brings salvation. The second thing we noted in those verses are in verse 13. The way not to be saved, which were born not of blood, you're not saved through Christian parents, nor of the will of the flesh, there's nothing that you can do to save yourself, nor of the will of man, there's nothing that someone can do to save you, but of God, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Now, when you look at the way to be saved in chapter 1, verse 12, and you look at the way not to be saved in chapter 1, verse 13, that is pretty well summarized in a conversation that Jesus has with the man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. If you read John chapter 3 later, and if you listen to the podcast that was uh, that we did first in this series, you'll remember that Nicodemus was a very well, religious leader, and he was a, a rich man, and he was a powerful man, and he came to Jesus by night, and he asked Jesus a question. And when he answers, Jesus answers the question, he says this in chapter 3, verse 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
And Nicodemus questions him on that. And the summary of that question can be found in verse 7. Marvel not that I say unto thee, that is Jesus saying unto Nicodemus, that ye must be born again. And in between those two verses, we learn that there is a physical birth and it needs to be followed by a spiritual birth in order to be saved or be born again. And we see then in John chapter 3, a great summary verse of the whole Bible, one that you're probably very familiar with. It's in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, following up on John chapter 1, the way to be saved and the way not to be saved, and that being taught to Nicodemus about being born again, we in our second series of this, uh, second lesson in the series, went to Acts chapter 16, where the question is actually asked. You remember it's a situation where Paul and Silas are in prison. There's a jailer in charge of keeping them in that prison. And during that night, there's an earthquake and the doors are open and the keeper of the prison thinks that the prisoners fled, which means that he would be put to death. And when he finds out they did not flee, he says in verse 30, and brought them out, that is the jailer brought out Paul and Silas and said, sirs, that's addressing Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? We learned in regard to this man being saved, there was first of all a crisis. The cry for salvation is often prompted by a crisis in one's life. We then saw it was followed by a conversation. The cry for salvation needs to be answered by the word of God. And we found that being done in chapter 16, verse 30 to 32. Paul and Silas give their testimony and they teach him about the salvation decision he needs to make. And then we see the conversion and we see the conversion when he asked to be baptized. Now, these men would never baptize someone who hadn't first believed in Lord Jesus. And certain enough, he believed and then he was able to be baptized. Now, you can catch more of that if you listen to podcast number two in this series. But today, we're coming to podcast number three in the series. What, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And as we build upon the theme that we've already looked at, we want to add another dimension to it. And that other dimension is this. When we take a look at John chapter 1, see how to be saved and not to be saved, and see Nicodemus being taught that lesson, and Acts chapter 13, seeing the Philippian jailer be taught what he must do to be saved and hearing the word of God and believing in Jesus and, and showing that he was saved by his baptism. Now we come here to another important passage in 1 John chapter 5. And let me introduce this passage by giving you a testimony from my own life, if I may. It'll probably correlate with a lot of what you've heard over the years or maybe even what you're thinking now. I had a very little church background before I was saved after returning from serving in Vietnam in 1971. You could probably count on one hand, certainly no more than two hands, the times that I actually attended a church growing up. My father was a Catholic and had a Catholic background. My mother was a Methodist and had a Methodist background. And when they married after World War II, it was a no-no to mix the faiths. And so as a result, our family did not have any faith that was a practicing faith. 
what did I hear during those few services that I went into the up to the church? And and what did I gather from the spirit of the day when people were talking about religion and salvation? Well, primarily through the 60s, I gathered this. That is that we could be summarized in these words. Let me just kind of put it in a quote for you today. When I would ask the question about salvation or being saved, I would hear this. Marty, make sure that you're a good outweighs your bad and you should make it to heaven. If your good outweighs your bad, you should make it to heaven. Now, this was not very reassuring, but it did offer some motivation to try to live right, to be sure. But when I would ask the question, but how can I know I will go to heaven? The reply was similar or the same. Do your best. No one knows for sure. Time will tell. All of those words and phrases were not very encouraging or very comforting. But one day, after Pam had received Christ as her personal Savior, by believing in him and asking forgiveness for her sin, we were talking. Now again, it was a stage before I was saved. I was actually saved six weeks after her. But she was saved. She was joyful. She was happy. She was confident. Uh, and it was just a blessing to be around her. And, uh, and when she was talking about salvation and talking about going to heaven, um, remember, I wasn't saved yet. I mentioned to her and I said, honey, you do realize that nobody could know for sure whether they're going to heaven or not. Well, she thankfully, patiently and lovingly read me these very verses that we just read in 1 John chapter 5, verses 10 through 17. And in reading those verses, I could clearly see, even in my unsaved condition, that it was possible to know you're saved if you do what God is asking you to do. And what that is, as we've been looking at in the last two podcasts, is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me share that from these verses that we just read. In fact, we're going to see four points in these verses that encourage us and comfort us in regard to this question, what must I do to be saved? And in regard to this question, how can I know that I am saved? The first point I'd like to make is this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 clearly teaches you can know that you have eternal life. Let me read the verse again. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. The word know means this, to be absolutely sure or certain about something. To be absolutely sure or certain about something. In the Greek, it has the idea of, of being able to see and perceive and hence to know something that's being taught. And what we're learning here is John, the apostle, the same one that wrote the book of John, chapter 1, where we started today, is the one who wrote 1 John, and he says this, clearly, we can know that we have eternal life or be saved. The second thing John writes under inspiration is found in verses 10 and 13. And what we will learn here is this, clearly, uh, this, these verses clearly teach how we get to know that we have eternal life. We're told in verse 13 that we can know we have it. Now in verses 10 and 13, we clearly learn how we can know that we have it. And there's two key phrases here. The one is in verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. 
He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because it believed not the record that God gave of his son. Now that expression, the record that God gave of his son, is of course what? It is the word of God. Just like we found in John, you know, the Lord came and Jesus Christ came and revealed the truth. He lived a life sinless. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again to give the promise of eternal life. He paid the price for us. You've heard all of that in some of these previous podcasts. And now what John is saying here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, yes, we can know that we have eternal life. And the way we know is by believing the record that God hath given of his Son, that is the word of God. But you don't only see it in chapter 5, verse 10, 1 John. You also see it in verse 13. Listen how it's worded here. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Notice the first part of that verse. These things have I written unto you. Again, we're referring there to the Word of God. So yes, this passage teaches clearly that we can know that we have eternal life. And this passage also teaches clearly how we get to know we have eternal life, and that's by believing the record, the Word of God. That's by believing the things that were written by the apostles, such as John, in the Word of God. And the third thing we want to note about the passage is this. It clearly teaches who we need to know to have eternal life. Now remember, the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 says, what must I do to be saved? It's not what we do. We can't do anything to be saved. It's what Jesus has already done. And it's not what we do, but it's who we know that brings us eternal life. You see that throughout these verses. Look with me, first of all, at two references to the Son of God, and that is in verse 10. He that believeth, number one, on the Son of God hath the witness in himself that he believeth not God, hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his, number two, son. Look at verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Third reference. Look at verse 12. He that hath the son, fourth reference, hath life, and he that hath not the son, fifth reference, hath uh, of God, hath not life. And then look again at verse 13, where we read, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Another two references. So in those four verses, 10, 11, 12, and 13, there are seven references to the Son of God. And salvation, again, is not by what we do, but it is by who we know and put our belief in, and put our trust in. Now, you've seen three things so far that are so clear in the passage, aren't they? Clearly teaching us that we can know that we can have eternal life. Clearly teaching us how we get to know we have eternal life by believing the record and believing what he has written, the word of God. Now, clearly teaching us who we need to know to have eternal life. Seven times it's mentioned, it's our relationship with the Son of God that gives us this gift of salvation. And the fourth thing we want to look at, 
ties lesson one in, lesson two in, and brings us right into lesson three and wraps it up in a beautiful bundle. What is that? Well, 1 John chapter 5, verse 10 and verse 13 talk about that word believe again. Believe not with the idea of, oh, I know about that, but believe with the idea that I believe and I've committed myself to it. Listen to this, verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not this God hath made him a liar because he believed not the record that God gave of his Son. Three times that word believe is used here in verse 10. But it doesn't end there. Look at verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. There's two references there. So again, in this passage, verses 10, 11, 12, and 13, four verses, we have five references to believe. Four of them in the positive, you believe. One of those, if you believe not, it's not good. And there it is, the idea of believing and putting your faith and trust in the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. Remember John chapter 3, verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That was a message not only given to Nicodemus, that's a message given to all of us. Whosoever will believe upon him can have the promise of eternal life by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the most important question, what must I do to be saved? Well, there's nothing that we do. It's just what we believe. It's not what we do, but it's who we know. And the second question is, how can I know for sure I'm going to heaven? And the answer that is given to us here in 1 John chapter 5, where it clearly states for us in 1 John chapter 5, that these things are written that ye may know, verse 13, that ye have eternal life. And there's no greater joy or pleasure than knowing that you have eternal life because you have confessed your sin and repented of your sin and received the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior of the world, as your own. You know, as we get ready to close, and I think back to my boyhood days when I was asking the question, what must I do to be saved? Well, get your good, that way you're bad. Uh, how can I know I'm going to heaven? I'm sorry, nobody really knows that. You just have to wait to find out later. I am so thankful that six weeks after my wife received the Lord, I came to the point of believing the word of God and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior too. And I'm so thankful I can answer that question, not just for me, but also for you. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And also the question, can I know I'm going to heaven? Yes, these are written that you may know that you have eternal life. I don't know how many of you remember missionaries of the past named John and Betty Stam. John and Betty Stam were in China and they were facing the rebellion in China and there was a lot of persecution taking place and they, as long with their young daughter, were being swept away and being taken captive and being uh, taken to a place where they could be put to death. Their daughter was rescued from that. Some man died in her place and uh, she was eventually rescued. 
And I actually um, had a great testimony for the Lord following the death of her parents. But her parents on that day, when they were taken away, were taken by the soldiers and stopped at a post office. And when they stopped at a post office, someone walked by and said, where are you going? And John and Betty Stam, with very much confidence in their heart, looked at that man and said, as he pointed to the soldiers, John pointed to the soldiers and said, well, I don't know where they're going, but my wife and I are going to heaven. And shortly after that, John and Betty Stam were knelt over and first he was decapitated, his wife fell over his body and then she was decapitated. And that day they met their savior in heaven, the one whom they trusted for their salvation the one whom they had assurance that they were going to have eternal life because they had believed in him. And folks, that's the question we have today. Do you have that kind of assurance? Have you received and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, as the scripture so clearly outlines for us? What must I do to be saved? No, the answer is, who must I know to be saved? And the answer is, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, this has been from the Pastor Study with Pastor Marty Macedo, and you may email me at Macedo, M-A-S-I-T-T-O, F-H-M, for Fellow Helpers Ministries, at gmail.com. Macedo, F-H-M, at gmail.com. Lord willing, we'll post another Bible lesson next week. But remember, how you respond to the answer of this question today, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? will determine where you'll spend eternity tomorrow. And as we just heard, you can know, have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior yet? And if not, why not bow your head and do so today? Thank you for listening and have a great day.